Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Y'all grab your Bibles with me. Turn to Matthew 28, two places, Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Jordan. Matthew 28, Acts chapter 2. My son is 30 years old. I walked off the platform. He said, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. Old habits are hard to break. Matthew 28. Um, I won't tell you if I've ever walked off the platform to discipline my children or not. But anyway, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and you can be sure of this, I am with you always. See, there's that promise. Even to the end of the age. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. All the, so this is after the day of Pentecost. Paul preaches uh, his first message after the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and 3,000 people got saved. And then this is what happened. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, <clears throat> to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many signs, and miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. You want to talk about revival? That sounds like revival to me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together today. We thank you for what you've already done in our midst, for what you are doing uh, in us and through us. Lord, we thank you for your promises and for your goodness. And Lord, I pray today that we, uh, that we share what it is that, that you want to say to your people. And Lord, that we, are, uh, that we are obedient, not just to hear, but to obey what it is you say to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today is part two of the State of the Church message. Never done a part two before, but we never had this much to say. All right? So if you didn't see or hear last week's message, the part one, then I would uh, recommend that you do. Today's message will stand alone. It will make sense even if you haven't heard it, but the context makes all the difference. So I would encourage you to go and listen to last week as well. I told you that we were going to look at some architectural drawings today, and many of you have already found those in your seats. I'm afraid many of you thought they were saving seats for people, but they're all over the place. All right. So um, we're going to do that in just 
in just a minute to see what the property might look like moving forward. Uh, but I need to lay a little bit of groundwork before we do that, okay? Last week, we talked about the financials and the attendance, uh, all those numbers. We talked about some of the spiritual results as well. And we talked about a new initiative on Wednesday nights called Next Level Discipleship. Um, that initiative is in direct response to, to what I think is a clearer understanding of the passage that we just read in the book of Acts. That passage, a lot of times, is referred to as, uh, as the five excuse me, the five purposes or functions of the church. But I think it's better understood as five aspects of discipleship. A disciple of Jesus is going to seek teaching. A disciple of Jesus is going to pray. He's going to worship. She's going to serve. He's going to fellowship with other believers. Okay, that's go- Those are all five aspects of what discipleship should look like. We're going to talk much more about that in depth next week. Um, but I want to point out one quick thing in the passage, and it's right there in the very first few words. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals together and to prayer. And then it goes on and continues to talk about other aspects of discipleship. To be devoted to something, that's something, unless you've watched the movie Grease lately, you've probably not even heard somebody use the word devoted. The word devoted means to be locked in on something almost exclusively. It is the first and the last thing on your mind when you're devoted to something. It's the focus of your activities. Beyond that, it's not just what you do, it's why you do it. It's the motive for everything that you do. The believers, these believers in Acts 2, the 120 from the upper room, the 3,000 converted on the day of Pentecost, these believers were devoted to becoming disciples of Jesus and devoted to obeying the directive of the Great Commission that we read in Matthew 28 to go and make more disciples. These people were praying. These people were learning. They were talking about what they knew. They were talking about how they lived out their faith. They were sharing that faith with other people. They were focused. They were devoted to being disciples of Jesus. Now, let me ask you something this morning. Are you devoted to being a disciple of Jesus? Does your life revolve around your faith in Him? It's, a, it's an honest question. It's a real question that you need to be honest with yourself about. If it doesn't, what does your life revolve around? What is the focus of your life? What's the underlying motive for all of your decisions? We sing this song sometimes, let Jesus be the center of it all, right? Well, if, is that true? Is Jesus the center of it all in your life? And if not, what or who is the center of everything in your life? It's an important question. Maybe the most important question today. It's also important to ask that question as a church. Are we at Covenant Life devoted to discipleship? Is going and making disciples at the core of what we do? Is is it our driving motivation? You say, well, John, what else could church possibly be about? Oh, my friend, (laughs) there are so many things. There are so many churches in this country that never give a thought to making disciples. 
Never, never think about helping a hurting soul. Never consider welcoming someone who's different than themselves. Where teaching the apostles' doctrine has been replaced by inspirational and motivational talks. Where prayer is only a poetic formality. Where worship is only melodies and music. Where ministry and fellowship are confined to the four walls of that church. Churches that have made uh, idols out of money or out of growth or out of leadership, or prestige, or political or social influence in the community, economic connections, all kinds of things that church can become about. We have one biblical imperative that should be our overarching command, and it's to go and make disciples. That has to be at the core of everything. Jesus has to be at the center of it all. It may not be popular anymore, it may not be politically convenient anymore, but last I checked, it's still true, and it's still right, and it's still eternal, and if we have to choose, and listen, every single one of us do have to choose, I'm choosing to be devoted to discipleship, because when we stand before the throne of God, what else is there? What will it profit us if we gain this whole world? And then lose our souls. And what would we give in exchange for our souls anyway? This is the call. This is the mission. This is what we do as disciples of Jesus. There's no higher call. There's no greater mission. There's no purer motive than this. Now with that as the backdrop, let's look at some pictures. All right. It, part of my responsibility as pastor of this church is to prepare us for the future and to inspire us to get there. So take out your phones. Um, if, you, if you got the email or the text message this morning, then, then you already have the link. And uh, we asked you to save the phones to your, uh, photo, to your photos or wherever on your phone so that you don't overwhelm the Wi-Fi. If you didn't get the message this morning, go ahead and scan the QR code. This is not the connection card. This will take you to a web page where these photos are. Or you can go old school and use the hard copy if you brought your glasses. All right? So however you want to do that, y'all go ahead and, y'all go ahead and grab that. There's like 86 of us trying to scan that QR code right now, so be patient with our Wi-Fi. No, really, we got 30 seconds. Y'all take your time. Fifteen seconds and a key change. You're welcome. Now, these plans have been for ten years in the making, and and I could talk honestly. I could talk about them with no notes for two hours. We are not going to do that. You're also welcome for that. Um, but I am going to do my best to give you just enough detail so that you see the big picture, but not so much that you drown in information. Okay? So if you have questions when I'm done, I'll be happy to discuss them further, answer whatever questions you have. Also remember this. The further out we get into the future, the more likely things will change with the plan. Okay? So 
Don't get married to every single detail of the plan. Everybody okay? All right. So turn your attention with first. To, oh, I've never get to do this. This is so much fun. There we go. So turn your attention to this one right here. This one right here. It's the architectural drawing. It's labeled master plan. Master plan. Because that's exactly what it is. Okay. It is, um, it is a master site plan for the seven and a half acres that we have here. Why do we do this? Because it will save us time and money in the future if we have some idea about where we think we're going. Otherwise, it's really easy to do something that makes sense short term, but then when you get to another stage, and you sometimes have to wind up undoing what you've already done because you weren't thinking ahead. We're doing our best to be good stewards and to think long term. So uh, let, me, uh, let me give you the lay of the land, so to speak. The two tan buildings... The two tan buildings are existing buildings. So the U-shaped one is the Coley building. That's right up here. That's the Coley building. And then to the right of that across the parking lot is our current sanctuary. If you look really, zoom in really close, you can see the top of your head right now. Not really. All right. So that's, that's where we are. Um, now... Look to the, to the brighter purple color, the building that will be connected to the sanctuary. So this one right here. All right. Look to the, look to the right of the current sanctuary. There is a, there's a bright purple one that's labeled children's wing, phase one children's wing. You see that there's a circle drawn around it. In the upper right-hand corner of that drawing, there is a more detailed uh, drawing of that purple building. This is the only building that we have this kind of detail for because this is the next piece of the puzzle. All right, Unless something drastic happens, this will be the next building that we build. It's labeled children's wing, but it will, also, it will serve both our children's ministry and our student ministry. Okay? It will be physically connected to the lobby of the sanctuary. When you come in under the awning in the future... When the, when the building's built, you come in under the awning, many, like many of you did this morning. If you look to the right, there's a wall there right now. But at that time, when you look to the right, you will see the new welcome area of the kids, of the kids building. It'll only be about 15 feet away. You can also enter straight in, if you want to, from the, from the parking lot you can, where that little red arrow is. You can go straight in the front door, or you can come in the, the main lobby of the church and go in that way. So uh, the first thing that you'll see when you walk into the lobby, the welcome area of the new kids' building will be an indoor playground. Indoor playground. That will be a feature. Uh, so I promise you, your kids will be a lot more excited about it than you just were. That'll be a feature that'll generate some excitement, and it will help kids be more interested in staying. Because sometimes you say, do you want to go to kids' church? And they go, eh. But they're going to look and see an indoor playground and say, yes, the Lord has led me to stay. All right? Because you can't argue with the Lord. So um, have, having that building right beside us will also uh, make mamas feel better about, uh, about having their babies closer. Okay? So this feels better there than across the parking lot. So you also notice that the nursery will be moved into that kid's building as well. And that'll give us the opportunity because right back here, the rest of that, besides our, besides our lobby, the whole rest of the front of the building is nursery. 
So with those moved, then we can blow out those rooms and add that to the lobby so we can have much more lobby space in the front of the building, all the way across the church, okay? The rest of the new kids and student building will consist of large group room, several small group rooms, and of course there will be bathrooms and, uh, and storage. They are designed to account for growth, so the spaces that are, uh, that are drawn on this building are larger than the spaces that we're currently using in, uh, in the Coley building. The cost of the building is hard to say. Um, we have not sent the plan out for bids or for specific design elements, so interior finishes, exterior finishes will greatly affect the cost. So in this economy, we, it would easily be a $2 million building, easily. I've talked with some professionals who think it might be two or three times that, uh, depending, again, on what goes in there. Um, but don't be intimidated by that number. Don't be intimidated by those dollar figures. I hate to brag, but my father is rich. Right? My father is rich. So what's our part in this? What's our job? Our job is to be devoted to discipleship. Making disciples, becoming disciples. So that means we're just going to continue to be faithful to give. Continue to be faithful to serve. To, to give what we can. It's, I continue to be amazed by the power of what can be accomplished by people just doing what they can do towards a common and shared goal. All right, not browbeating anybody, not trying to guilt and shame somebody, leverage somebody, emotionally manipulate somebody, just people who buy into a shared and common goal and who all commit to doing what they can do to make it happen. With God's blessing, with God's help, we've already accomplished so much together in the last three years with the Jericho Project. Don't, don't doubt that God will bless our efforts and our faithfulness at, at more effectively discipling our kids and our students. So don't get, in, don't get intimidated. Just keep pursuing the Lord. Just keep being disciples. Amen? Everybody okay? All right. As we've been doing since the inception of the Jericho Project, uh, we are committed to leveraging our facilities um, to accommodate both inside needs, so church needs, but also outside opportunities. Building this kids and student building will allow us to free up the entire Coley building for the House of Cherith to expand. Currently, the capacity there is for seven ladies. They could more than double that capacity, plus have additional space for, uh, for things like counseling rooms, medical and dental exam rooms, or even a boutique or a salon to be put there so that they don't have to leave campus really for anything that they need. The sky is the limit for, for, what that could, for what that could be in that building. Again, no cost estimate right now on what that build-out is going to be because it depends on what they want to use the space for. But again, one thing at a time, we have to be able to get the kids in this building before we can expand that building. All right, so the next phase is the kids and student building and the Coley building expansion for the House of Cherith. So then what happens? Well, we have thousands of square feet, tens of thousands of square feet in the industrial buildings right here, right next door to the church. The walls and the foundation are solid. We've had structural engineers come through, contractors come through, and everybody agrees that the walls, the foundation is, are, are solid. 
We just have to get the hazmat out. There's still some, some uh, lead-based paint and asbestos there. We're getting bids to remove all of that. Um, and then we also have to get them in the dry with a new roof structure. Uh, we, when we can do that, then we can use all of that square footage next door for our future facility needs. Now, look back at the master plan, everybody. Right over here. That's this one. Look back at this one. Find the sanctuary again. Right here. You see the curved walkway that, uh, that leaves the back of the sanctuary and goes to that little kind of squarish building back there in the, in the lighter purple. It, if Valerie were here, she could tell you exactly what shade this is. But I just, it's just either lighter or darker. That's all I got for you, folks. So that, the, little, the little curved walkway that leads back there goes to a good-sized little square, squarish building that we can use for storage, which we desperately need. Connected to that storage area to the right, y'all keep looking. I am not that pretty. Y'all keep looking at your picture here. Connected to that storage area to the right, there's space for a commercial kitchen and fellowship space. And it's huge. The space is huge. Well, right now there's a huge hole in the floor, but the space is huge and, uh, and could accommodate church fellowships. And we needed this space like five years ago. Um, hallelujah. Sounds like somebody who set up a couple tables in her life. Um, so it could accommodate, accommodate church fellowships um, even as the church continues to grow. But it can also allow us to, have, to, to host training and informational events that we may have here as part of our continued efforts to eradicate sex trafficking from this planet. Okay, So it would be a multi-purpose facility. Now... If your brain is not already on overload, let's just let our imaginations run wild for a little bit. If the Lord continues to bless uh, with growth, we will eventually outgrow this sanctuary. If and when that happens, uh, the plan is to build a new sanctuary in the remainder of the industrial building next door. So again, grab your master plan. If you look all the way to the right, you'll see this large building right here. Uh, and you can see it in relationship to our current to our current building, but uh, you can see this building right here, and it's two stories high, and you can see that it's laid out uh, in, a, in a sanctuary format right there. It could accommodate a thousand, a, a thousand seats, which is two or three times the capacity that we have in this current space. Now, if you look right here, there's this long hallway here that's labeled Main Street or Main Street Lobby that runs parallel with the fellowship, with the fellowship hall. That would function as seating capacity so people could come in, sit down, drink some coffee, uh, talk about, just catch up, just hang out in the lobby if there's enough seats there. Uh, it could also double as small group space. We'd, we'd have dividers between those sections so that we could host multiple small groups at the time, at the same time if we needed to. But it would also be the connector between the sanctuary and the kids' building. So you could enter the new sanctuary from the Buchanan Street side. So that's this this, this up here, there'll be this parking lot already exists. Buchanan Street, of course, already exists. So you could enter from that way. You're, there's a little red triangle right here that shows you where that entrance would be. So you could enter from there. But the main entrance would be this little U-shaped dro uh, drop-off right here. You see the turnaround, the turn, what do you call those? Roundabouts right there. And this big uh, red triangle right there uh, shows you where you would enter. Everybody could go in that way. 
because this is where the bulk of the parking would be. So everybody could go in that way. The adults would go right to the sanctuary. The kids would go left to the kids' building. At that point, the nursery would also would be moved again into the main, uh, close to the main sanctuary, again, to keep those babies close. Um, and the kids' building would be modified uh, to adjust to the new sanctuary location. We would add a new kids' annex or a new kids' welcome area on the back side of the building. So now we're talking about remodeling a building we ain't even built yet. Okay, so we're talking about adding a new entrance on the back side of it so that it connects to the sanctuary via that main street corridor. When we do that, we won't need the lob, the, that uh, lobby space anymore because it'll be on the other side of the building. So now we can double the indoor playground. We can take the, the nurseries will be out of there. So now those rooms are freed up to either expand into a larger, large group room or to use those for additional small group space which we would need because it, it, the growth of the church would, it, if the church is growing, then the kids' ministry would, and student ministry would be growing as well. Okay? Does that make sense? I've been doing this for 10 years. I know y'all got like 10 minutes into this. I don't want you to hurt yourself. All right? When we do all of that, then we can give this entire building that we're sitting in, standing in right now, to the HOC as well. Now, maybe it's a huge expansion of their current program. Maybe they're just going to do, it's like what they're doing now, but on steroids. Um, no steroids. Steroids are bad. Um, it, it'd be, uh, it, maybe it's a, that expansion of their current program. Maybe it's a mommy and me facility where the ladies can, they have custody of their children while they're in the program. Maybe it's what they're calling HOC Junior, which is a, the same kind of program, but for minors. Because the average age of entry into sex trafficking in this country is 14 or 15 years old, with thousands of, of children much younger than that. Somebody has to help them if they come out before, they're, before they turn 18. And that's a, that's a whole different set of issues that you deal with when they're minors. So maybe HOC wants to do that. Maybe they're not interested in doing anything else with us, in, in, in which in that case we would reach out, offer space, offer partnership with some of our other partner organizations. Okay, I don't know what the needs will be in the future when this comes to pass. Just trying to get us ready to be able to do what we can with the resources that God has given us when that time comes. Okay. Now, I know this is a lot. Uh, the links will stay active. You can carry the hard copies home. You cannot have my posters. <laughs> so take them home, look over them, pray over them, um, just at, write down questions, email me questions. You can we come, we'll talk whenever you want to. Just process it, pray about it. Um, and then whenever the questions come, we'll talk about it. And sometimes the question, might, the answer might be, I don't know, we haven't got that far yet. Um, but I will do my best to be as honest as I can about, about whatever questions you have. Now, one last thing. Look at the other picture, if you would. The one that says conceptual, I can't even say it, conceptual perspective. I have never said those two words out loud in my life. Conceptual perspective. This one right here. All right? Uh, there, there are two, if you're uh, on the website, there are two of those CPs. Um, one is just at, dark, at, at nighttime or at dusky dark. The other is daytime. So look at the daytime one. If you are looking at the hard copy, that's the only one you have. All right. This might help you get in your brain um, what it might look like. What it might look like. 
now, first of all, is this thing, is that not amazing? It's like a photograph of something that doesn't even exist yet. Like, here's this front guy, that's Corey. He's, 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 uh, he's playing a guitar. He's just, Corey's just going to be on site 24-7 when we do this, and he's just going to be playing. It's really a mariachi band, which has always been his dream. So, not really. But yes, you can have a hat. Hat's not included. So, it, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. It, this is looking down, this, the, the perspective now is looking down into that little uh, roundabout area that I was talking about where you could drop off kids or go into the new building right there. Off to the far left over here, you can see the awning out here. Uh, this is the, the, um, the current sanctuary where we are. And then you can see what the kids' building might look like. Um, you say, John, are we, are we going to have big glowing panels of Covenant Life branding on the church? No, but it kind of looks cool, doesn't it? That makes the picture come to life, all right? Um, everything's just been painted white um, just for the sake of, of had, to, had to be something. So the architect chose to paint everything white and uh, just for the picture. There are a thousand ways we can do the exterior finishes when we get to that point. That's just one of them. So please do not leave the church because you don't like white paint. All right? Uh, again, there's no guarantees about any of the details. Everything's affected by the budget. Um, but this is, I just wanted you to see the possibilities. Okay? I really wanted to kind of blow your mind a little bit to get us out of the box so that we can allow just what the future needs to be to be that and not try to fit it into our little box. Okay? The one thing that is not on the master plan, so y'all set this down for just a second. You can take them home. They can be your placemats at your dinner table if you want to. The one thing that's not on the master plan is the walking track that circles, that's going to circle the property to finish out our connection to the Jericho project. And honestly, that's my fault. I was so focused on trying to make sure the details made sense that I forgot to put the walking track, which we've been talking about for three years already. Here's why. The children of Israel circled the city of Jericho 13 times over the course of a week, and then the walls fell, and they were able to go in and rescue Rahab and her family and bring them out of the city while they conquered the city, but not just bring them out and make them safe, but bring them out and welcome them into their own community of faith. And eventually, when you read the lineage of, of Jesus in the book of Matthew or the, or the book of Luke, I don't remember which one that genealogy is in, but you see Rahab in the lineage of Jesus. And so uh, we want to put that track in to reflect, uh, to reflect the journey of the children of Israel around Jericho, to reflect that mission of rescuing Rahab. But also along that path will be the story the story of, the, uh, of Jericho and the story of Rahab and the story of redemption. Because if they're going to use our walking track, they're going to have to hear about Jesus. All right? That's the price of admission. They can close their eyes if they want to, but that's not recommended when you're walking. All right? So they're going to read about it. They're going to read about the way Jesus finds the broken and the forgotten. They're going to read about the way he finds the sinners and the lost. They're going to read about the way he forgives and restores and heals and renews. They're going to read about the way he opens his arms and welcomes people into community. People who didn't deserve it. People who have no other hope. 
You say, John, I'm with you, man. It'll be great for the HOC ladies to see that. I wasn't talking about the HOC ladies. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about myself. We're three years into this. Do we not get this yet? We're all born in the same spiritual condition. We're the ones who try to rank ourselves compared to other people. God doesn't do that. We are all in the same boat. Lost is still lost no matter how far away you think you are. Dead in your trespasses and sins is still dead. Hopeless is still hopeless. A sinner is still a sinner. And that's exactly what every one of us were when Jesus found us. So the mission and the vision remains, it remains, it exists because there's a whole world full of people out there who still need Jesus. Some of them are being trafficked right now. And some of them are sitting in a church week after week, but they still don't have a relationship with Jesus. Some of these people are at home sleeping off what happened to them last night. Some of them are working today because they're addicted to money and the toys that that money can buy them. And some of them are at home right now trying to decide whether they're going to buy groceries or pay the power bill. Some of them are out there having the time of their lives, giving absolutely no thought to eternity or the things of the soul. They are living in the moment and they're squeezing everything they can from this world that they possibly can. Completely unaware that there's a day of reckoning coming for which they are totally unprepared. Listen, y'all, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about these drawings and these plans and these buildings. We have worked hard to think through these things and to get these buildings uh, just planned out and, and to be prepared for the future. But I want you to hear me clearly if you don't hear anything else. These buildings are not the vision of this church. This is not the vision of the church. It can't be the vision of the church. This is a spiritual kingdom that we operate in. These buildings are far too tangible to be the vision of this church or any church for that matter. Buildings can accommodate the vision, but they can't be the vision. The disciples made the same mistake. They got caught up one day in a building. They're walking out of the temple with Jesus. This is somewhere around Matthew 24. They're walking out of the temple with Jesus, and they're like, Hey, Jesus, isn't this cool? Isn't this beautiful? Herod's temple, man, don't you like the temple? And Jesus said, Yeah, man, this is cool, but it's not going to be long, and this whole place is going to be destroyed. There won't be one stone on top of another one. It'll all be gone. He looked at the disciples in another spot and he said, listen, don't get distracted by all these people running around telling you where the kingdom of God is. They're going to say, hey, well, the kingdom of God's over here. Hey, the kingdom of God's over there. And Jesus said, forget about all that because I'm telling you the kingdom of God is right here and right now. He's standing in front of you and it's among you and it's within you. John, what does that mean? (laughs) What difference does that make? It means the vision of this church is not the buildings. What concerns Jesus is not drywall and seating capacity. 
what Jesus builds with is not brick and mortar. You can burn every building to the ground and never touch the vision because the vision is a spiritual one. It's not in things. It can't be confined to a geographical location or to a piece of property. The vision is to go make disciples. The vision is to be a place where you can come find people who are real. Where, where you can find people who value you, people who welcome you into their community. The vision is to be a place where other people are welcome to come and find the same help and the same hope and the same healing that you found. Because at the end of the day, the vision is not just about you. It's about the 85% of people in this county who are at home this morning because they don't go to church on a regular basis. And it's about those who do go to church and still don't know Jesus. The vision, the mission of this church is about those people. It's about going and getting those people. It's about bringing those people to Jesus. It's about teaching those people to obey Him and to know Him and to experience Him. Teaching them to be devoted to discipleship. Devoted to being and making disciples who pray and who worship and who learn and who serve and who fellowship. That's the vision. The buildings just accommodate the vision. If we will do what God has called us to do, I believe we'll need to build all the buildings and that God will provide the means when it's time. But even if we don't, even if we don't build another single building on this property, but we remain devoted to discipleship, then the mission will continue. The vision will still be fulfilled. And the kingdom of God wins. Y'all stand with me, please. Listen, y'all. We can build houses for people. We can dig wells for people who don't have access to clean water we can do all kinds of great things for people but if we don't touch a soul if we don't share the gospel then we're being a lot of things but we're not being the church the church has exclusive domain in the area of the soul because you can be a good person. The Gospels are very, very clear. You can be a good person and not be a Christian. You can be a good, helpful person and not be a follower of Jesus. And there are a lot of churches that can be good places to find good people who do good work but still not be devoted to discipleship and if we become one of those things then we've failed so in the midst of all our planning and all our hopes and prayers and dreams and fundraising and all the things that that go along with with trying to build uh, a building let's don't lose sight 
what it is we're called to do. And that's make disciples. Be disciples and then make disciples. Okay? I've been praying about how to end this. And I have no idea, but I'm going to give an altar call. I don't know why, but this is, this is the way I feel like the Lord's impressing me. If you sort of wandered in here this morning, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you're just like, I'm going to go to Covenant Life one more time. Because I got all of this going on in my life and I don't really know what else to do. Then I believe you're in the right place. Because listen, this, this service is not about buildings and property. This service is about figuring out how to maximize everything, how to leverage everything, how to go in, all in, with everything that we have and everything that we can do for Jesus. Because this build, these buildings will never change a life. Jesus changes lives. Jesus saves souls. And that's what we're here for. So if you came in today and you feel like you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what else to do, but something's going to have to change in your life, then you're in the right place at the right time. Because I can tell you the thing that needs to change, the thing that you need to find that you may have been looking for all your life, and you may have been looking in a bottle, you may have been looking in a relationship, you may have been looking in a job or a hobby or some passion or some pursuit, but what you've been looking for all of your life is Jesus. And you can find Him today. Because he's been looking for you your whole life. So you can surrender your life to Jesus today. And listen, it's not a magic prayer and everything gets corrected in your life. It is the beginning of a surrendered relationship to him where you say, I'm forgetting about everything else and I'm going after Jesus. And what he says, that's what I'm doing. That's what we're talking about. And if that's what you're ready to do, then, then this altar is open. And we're going to come. If you want to come, you can talk to, to any of us who are around here. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. As soon as I finish praying, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to the front. I'm going to ask the elders to come to the front. And y'all just stand here and pray. And if somebody comes and knocks on your, on your back and asks you to pray, then you pray with them. Okay, you find anybody that's standing around this altar and will lead you to Jesus today. If you've got some other need that's going on in your life, you can come and pray about that. Because it, once you pray and once you give your heart to the Lord, doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. Can some Christians say amen? Right? We got problems. We got needs. There are people, good, solid believers who are grieving this morning because of things that they've been through in their lives. Either the loss of a loved one or a trial or a difficulty, you can come and pray about that as well. Whatever's going on, this is the place to bring it to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everything. I thank you for these plans. I thank you for what, for what you know our future is. And Lord, we just lay all of that at your feet and we're just, we just tell you now we're, we're in and when you say move, we're ready to move. And God, we trust you and we believe you that you're going to lead us and guide us in the right place at the right time. You're going to provide all the right resources. Lord, until then, we're going to continue to be faithful to go and make disciples. We're going to continue to pursue you. We're going to continue to worship and to pray and learn and, and serve and love on people and love on each other. 
Lord, I, I just believe you've sent people here today who need to start a relationship with you right here and right now. And I pray that you draw them to this altar that we can have a conversation about it. Lord, I know that there are people in this place hurting. I know there are people in this place hurting in their bodies. I know there are people here who are trying to make a difficult decision. They need direction. All kinds of things that we face in our lives. And Lord, today we just want to lay them at your feet. I pray that you draw all of those folks to your to your uh, to the altar today and meet them here we thank you that you love us you care for us or that you've prepared a way for us in the name of jesus we pray amen we pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's covenant living broadcast to find out more information about our ministry just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org you can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.